Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Blue Wire. Welcome to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am so excited to be joined by ESPN's Diana Russini. In just this one episode, Diana gives tips that have already improved my reporting and I know will help you guys as well. She talks about her family and their influence, her mentors, covering the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting, advice for women coming into the sports industry, and so much more. I want to go ahead and give a shout out to Patricia, who left us a review on iTunes about our episode with Nita Kimes. That was a great episode. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review for a chance for you to be highlighted in an upcoming podcast. This podcast is being brought to you by Indochino, Harry's Razors, and Untuck It. So let's get to it, fangirls. Diana, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the Get My Job podcast. It is great to be here, especially in the middle of the NFL season when I feel like there's so much going on and so many stories to share with you already. Oh, well, that that is what we like to hear. Do you have anything you want to just start off by sharing? Anything you've been thinking about? Oh, uh, basically, I, it's funny. A lot of people disagree with me, but I feel like this NFL season collectively, whether it's just the excitement from all the young players this year or just the fact that social media, I feel, is probably at its best right now when it comes to football. I've been having more fun than I've ever had covering the league. Oh, that's so fun. I love hearing that. This is uh, This is a fun season. Well, it's a very fun f- season for me. I cover the 49ers, so right now is a – particularly fun time to cover them, especially after the last few years. But I agree with you. All these like young, awesome quarterbacks. There are so many great storylines. I think I'll actually dive in. A few weeks ago, you uh, were on a radio show answering calls as your mom, which looked like so much fun. Can you tell us a little bit how that that came about? So one of the things that's really interesting about working at ESPN, um, as big as a company as we are, and so many of us live in different cities, um, most of us are, are friends with each other, at least a lot of the people that cover the NFL, on-air people, because we've all kind of come up through the same sort of space and uh, have run into the same issues and sort of have relied on each other. So I have just a great group of friends at ESPN, and uh, anyone that has spent more than 20 minutes with me will figure out pretty quickly that I'm really close to my family. Um, whether I like it or not. And they are, they've had a gigantic impact on me um, as a professional, but, but also just as a, as a woman. And my mother is the funniest human being I've ever met on this planet. Uh, <laughs> not just because she has the thickest accent. Uh, she's from the Bronx. It's not even that. She just has wit and um, an ability to make observations that I don't know a lot of people that, that will see things as fast as she can see and say it out loud. Uh, so she's always been one of the most entertaining people. And she's also really hard on me. 
and I grew up playing sports and, you know, being a decent student. And she just was never, never really satisfied with me. And she still isn't. And I always share that with people um, about how, you know, things have been so great at work, but, you know, my mom will always have a line for me. Uh, and so I filled in for Dan Levitard and I was telling Stu Gotts right before the show started, um, you know, that my mom thought it was really great that I was on the radio, but I was on a show that no one listens to. <laughs> and he thought it was the funniest thing. So I told him the story, the way my mother talks, and he couldn't stop laughing. And he said, what would be really funny is if you were your mom with your NFL intelligence. Like, I think that's a funny bit. Let's just do one call. And if it works, we'll just keep doing it. And I was like, all right, whatever. And I have to tell you, it, I was nervous. When I did it, because you don't, I'm not a comedian, and I don't know uh, if it was, I didn't know if it was going to fall flat. Um, mm -hmm. So they had me take calls. They didn't tell me what the callers were going to ask me. So I was ready for everything. And the first call was related to your Niners, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was basically, um, you know, do the 49ers have, have the best-looking team? That was actually the lightest question I got. Everything else, was just, <laughs> the other questions were fantastic. Uh, and so I, I just did it and I went for it and it's really interesting. The feedback I've received on it is probably bigger and better than anything I've ever done in journalism. And that wasn't even journalism, which is so funny to me, but I think everybody knows somebody or has a mom or can relate to just the antics of your parents being ridiculous. And mine is, uh, a lunatic and, and anyone that knows her will, will agree. And, uh, you know, so many people from my town reached out to me of like, oh my gosh, your imitation of your mother is spot on. I'm like, yep, you should see my sisters. It's even better. So yeah, it was a, a really fun thing to do. And um, unfortunately, since I since I did the imitation, every stadium I've been at, fans like will come up to me, you know, with their phones and be like, can I ask you a football question? And can you be Mrs. Rossini? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I'm not a clown. That is amazing. Well, here's the important question. What did your mom think of it? She is ridiculous. So <laughs> she sends me a text message and she's like, your father showed me that clip. And I said, so what'd you think? She goes, I actually think you're very funny, but I'm funnier. <laughs> I'm like, that would be your reaction. And she also has a, a an inability to be self-aware sometimes. So she's like, you know, I actually went out to dinner with her a few days later and she's like, I just don't understand why people think I'm funny. I don't get it. And I said, well, you know, it's because you're clever and, and you have this accent. She's like, I don't hear it. I sound just the way you all do. And I'm like, yeah, no, you, we, we, we don't. We don't sound like that. Um, so, yeah, she's been great about it. She doesn't want to come on the radio. She doesn't want to do anything, though. So she's actually kind of shy. But, uh, yeah, that was definitely really fun to share that with people and, and it's my life. It's it's definitely as authentic as it comes. Well, we we had a lot of fun with it. We uh, shared it in our Insta story on Fangirl, I 49ers Fangirl always also, and we we actually turned it into a poll. So thank you on Fangirl Sports Network. We turned it into a poll. So which one is better looking, Jimmy Garoppolo or Tom Brady? So thank you for that. <laughs> and I will tell you that the winner was Jimmy Garoppolo. He won in a landslide. Sorry. Uh, I heard through the grapevine that Jimmy saw the clip. Um, oh, amazing! He was, happy. he was really happy that my mom was a fan of his. Um, you know, and the, the funniest part about it, Tracy, is 
obviously being a woman in sports, I've always really tried to stay away from anything just superficial like that because people just they want to they want to just assume as women that cover the sport that we're just staring into the eyes of these gorgeous men going, oh, if it could only be me, and it is the farthest from the truth. Um, so you know the fact that that became kind of part of the story was funny. My mom knows the struggle. Uh, that you have as a female uh, reporter. So she she's actually never one to to ever really talk about that. Once in a while, she'll say, oh, that guy was cute, but she'll never really expound on it. And she knows I've always had a pretty tough, uh, not tough, but strict rule that you just, it's unethical and it's a conflict of interest and you, you try to keep it separate. But we're still human beings and I can still recognize a handsome man. Well, and I think the nice thing about Jimmy actually, and this is, I tell people this all the time there's something about him where he you just you can't miss it and everybody talks about it so it's okay it becomes a little less like that I feel like than maybe with other people because I agree I try to be really careful about that too Uh, but there's something about it and he's also just so nice that it works (laughs) so oh for sure it's it's the perfect situation and 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 I think we're probably being a little too hard on ourselves of thinking that people care when nobody cares Nobody cares. And like you said, we are human and we're allowed to be human. So there's that too. The holidays are almost here and you know what that means, gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right. Unlike most brands, untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter his size. So he looks casual and sharp. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucked, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's UntuckIt.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. All the guys that I know that use Harry's love its close shave, easy glide, and low price. Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middleman, manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. Which means you get incredibly high quality blades at factory direct prices. 
Harry's is super convenient. Late refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. And there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of this show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. RJ Barrett's brand new collection with Indochino just dropped, featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket lining RJ helped pick out and design. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BlueWire, for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. Incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Well, you just, you talked about your mom. Obviously we just spent a lot of time on her and she sounds amazing. I hope someday she cut, does come on TV or the radio, or I just get to meet her because she sounds incredible, but you said she's always been hard on you. And so I'm, I'm just curious. I thought of this as you were talking, obviously we're in a very male dominated industry. It's been harder for women. This is not a woe is me conversation, but it's obviously been harder for women and we've had to have a thick skin. How is having had a mom like that, who was always on your side and super supportive, but also was there to tell you when you needed to be better, how has that helped you in this industry? I would say the reason why I've had success in the NFL is because of my mom, because I've always gone back to sort of the, the foundation of, of how she raised me, the rules that we had growing up. I grew up in a very, very strict Catholic Italian household. Uh, and there was just expectations put on us because my parents, uh, you know, they didn't come from much. They, they're both, you know, my, my mom's a nurse, my father's a plumber. Um, and they worked for everything they have. And I always say to people, I never realized growing up, I didn't have anything. I, I thought it was everything because my house was filled with so much love. And I, as I've gotten older and, and, you know, obviously have a job and make my own money, I always just think how little I care about material objects because I just never had it. I don't care about mm-hmm. designer stuff. I don't, I drive a pretty crappy car like it's and I don't I don't worry about it, I don't care um but they've instilled that work ethic in me and it's helped me in the league because I have found you will gain credibility in this business if you are a hard worker that's a good starting point you 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 need to then have the academia and the um the contacts and the access to people to to layer it but I have found that the second I decided to get into sports and I made sort of a, the decision that I was going to outwork everybody, um, and whether that became the truth or not, I still don't know. But I don't think you'll find a lot of people that won't say, yeah, I'm maybe not the most talented person. I'm maybe not be your cup of tea on the air or maybe even on Twitter. But 
um, I will work hard. And, and that's where I think my mom and my father have, have really helped because they're constantly, even now, uh, when they watch, you know, Sunday NFL countdown or sports center, uh, their feedback is always just really honest. And, and, you know, my dad's always saying, you know, do, do you think you were the best one out there today? Do you think there's another woman that's doing more? And if you think so, try to figure out another way. And, and, and I love that because it keeps you really sharp. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think it's important to have that and have that from people that you trust and who really know you. So you said once you decided to get into sports, I know you started in news. When did you decide to make the transition into sports and how did that come about? Well, funny that I keep referencing my, my family. It was my grandmother who saw me on the news and said, I just don't like who you are when you're reporting the news. That's not my granddaughter. You look hmm. miserable because I, I was. I was reporting on things that didn't really allow me to have a good spirit about them because it was crime and, uh, you know, obviously police work and, and fires and uh, murders. I worked in Manhattan. So, it, you know, I dealt with a lot of serious stories covering um, you know, up for the six and 11 o'clock newscast. And that was the lead story normally out in the field. So you're going to get that, the, the blood stories. And, and while I, I love information, I didn't understand that you can still be a collector of information, but it doesn't have to be bad information. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took the risk of going back to what I really knew, which is sports. I was an athlete my whole life, but I never thought that I'd wind up in it because I felt that it was a crutch. Uh, you know, the division one athlete that just stays in sports. I didn't want to be that girl. I wanted to challenge myself. And I thought that the news was the way. Um, and it turned out to be the best set of skills I learned was covering news because I apply it to football every single day. So much of what I've done comes from my news background of telling stories, gathering information, who, what, where, why, when, like basic stuff that I learned in local that has that I can apply to sports. So uh, I had, there was a sports anchor at my local station at WNBC in New York City. His name's Bruce Beck. He's a legend. And he said, you're always watching the Yankees back here in the sports department. Um, you obviously have passion for it. You're a great news gatherer. Why don't you just try sports? Um, if you're not that happy doing news, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then I finally took the chance and I did it. And my first gig was really doing sports and news together. So I got a little taste of both. Uh, and, and then I eventually moved full on into sports. As a former athlete, do you feel that it's helped you give you a perspective a little bit, a different perspective on the athletes and stories that you're covering? Being an athlete helps me connect with athletes. That's the biggest advantage. I don't, it takes me 30 seconds to talk to an NFL player for them to realize I've played a sport. It happens all the time. They always know I did something. They always think I played field hockey. I don't know why I played soccer. There's like, you play field hockey or, you know, you, they just pick a sport, I think, that where they think women probably um, are successful. I'm not really sure what they think. But either way, it, it, I have found when, when you can understand the language of an athlete, the mindset, what they're going through, good and bad, they trust you quickly. They're like, all right, you know what you're talking about versus somebody who never played that I think is at a disadvantage because it's harder to break it through. Um, then you're just a reporter to them. Whereas if you have a little edge of athleticism to you and high competitiveness, they usually will let you in slightly more. So yeah, no, I, I've relied on, on my athletic background um, also from a competitive standpoint within the industry of, you know, getting the feedback from my bosses, not hanging on every word that's negative, looking at it as coaching 
that's been my, my, I say my biggest advantage I've had over those that don't play is when my boss tells me, I thought your report lacked this, this, and this, or I find that you're, you know, you're coming off this way. I need you to get better here. I never take it personally. I'm never like, oh my gosh, she doesn't like me. I'm always like, oh, he must need to be better. I'm going to go be better because I think of the way I was coached in soccer. Uh, and so that's where it's really been the most um, significant in my life. That's very interesting because I, I had not really thought of that. But of course, you've been coached your whole life. So it probably helps to have a thick skin. And this this is an industry where you need to have a thick skin. So kind of along those lines, as you see young women trying to break into the sports industry, what is the number one mistake you see them making? And maybe mistake isn't quite the right word because I don't want to make it so negative, but you know what I'm getting at. They, I think young women I've met across the country in local news um, believe that they need to be Instagram models to be successful in sports, that they need to be beautiful. Um, and I, I try to remind them, and they're usually looking at me when I'm talking to them, you can be very average, <laughs> but if you're smart and you're magnetic and you're personable and you work hard and you have contact and you care, um, you will go so far in this business. And if you're open to learning and listening, the looks part of this, yeah, it, it, it is a factor. I will, not, I will never be that person in TV to say, if you're just great at your job, you'll make it. Because it's not the truth. I've been criticized for my looks my entire career. Stopping, you look to New Jersey, uh, you remind viewers of Snooki. Like, I've gotten everything. Um, yeah, you soften your edges. Your hair's too dark. You know, it, it's all part of it. But if the viewer's memory of me is my content, and if I can build a, a reputation within sports, for being great at reporting, being a great host, having good information, the look stuff starts to just fade. Whereas, so yeah, be, be your prettiest, but don't be distracting. Don't make your look be the only thing people are talking about. Make your look be the thing that says, she's a really pretty girl. I really love that interview though. She's smart too. That, that, that I think is a mistake. Women, they, they harp on that so much. And, and I know it's hard. Because I see really successful women in sports who are stunning on social media. And I'm even tempted to go there sometimes. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I should take a picture of me in my workout outfit or, uh, you know, me prancing on the beach in my bikini. And I work out. And it's like, why? No, no, I'm a journalist. I don't need to be in that space because you're never going to win if you play the hot card. You will not win that game. And when you were first starting out, how did you handle that criticism? How were you able to let it somewhat roll off your shoulder? And maybe it's similar to the conversation we just had about um, being coached, but how, how were you able to take that criticism and say, this is not what's important and I'm going to keep going forward? You know, I found people I trusted uh, to give me the feedback on it because I was getting a lot. Um, and, you know, softening my look was definitely something that was, I needed to do. And I was hearing it from a lot of different people. Um, but then when I, when I say soften, I mean, just, um, I, in New Jersey, having black hair is like very trendy and mm -hmm. having very tan skin. And I don't know any better because that's just what I grew up with. So I just think that that's pretty. Uh, but the rest of America doesn't really want that look. Um, and I get that. I understand it now that I'm older. Um, so just like making, you know, being a little bit more natural for me, that, that turned out to be the answer. 
less makeup, less black hair, less tanning. <laughs> and it's funny, but it's part of just figuring out who you are. Uh, you know, making sure that, you know, you can be young and, and stylish, but, but not where you're constantly just showing off your body. You can, you can do it in a way and you can be really sexy. You can do that in a way that doesn't scream it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I found people I trusted and, and I started to see improvements, um, and I was happy with it. Um, and that, that's gotta be the most important part. You gotta be happy with it. Uh, I cut my hair once because I thought that that would mean people would take me more seriously and I was miserable. Uh, and it wasn't the answer by the way. Um, you need to still look, feel pretty, uh, but be open to people that you trust. Be like, yeah, you know, I, I would definitely, I find your, your, you know, this to be a bit distracting. I think that's, that's what you have to always go back to is, is this a distracting part of my presentation? I think it's very good advice. That's, that's excellent advice. That word distracting. I think we don't, we don't hear that it said it that way enough. And I think that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. If they're talking well, about your necklace the whole time when they see you or your hat or your eyelashes or your hair, extension, like you're, 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 you're not doing a good job. I, it's funny. Sunday night football. Uh, I had a cover the Patriots and the Ravens and I was losing my mind because I had a little sparkle in my blazer. I'm like, I don't think this is smart because I'm so trained now. <laughs> Of I work so hard for my information. I don't want anyone to talk about anything else but my information. Fair. Though I saw that blazer and I loved that blazer and I was <laughs> going to ask you where you got it because it was just perfect. <laughs> Rent the runway. Rent the runway, ladies. It's the way to go. Save money. It's that way too much money early in my career. Yeah, it 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 was a pretty awesome blazer so rent the runway we will there's we're giving a plug to rent the runway today everybody and that is excellent advice yeah. so what is a criticism that you received early on separate of looks or anything like that that while tough to take really shaped your future as a reporter I think uh for me early on it was really understanding the depth of what I was talking about um, in local news, especially when you start up in sports, you sort of treetop, and I wasn't doing the work. I wasn't really studying the rosters and understanding the different units and, and, and understanding other people's jobs um, because I just didn't know how to. I didn't know enough about football. Um, so I think the early criticism I had was really just there wasn't enough depth to my reporting. Um, and then I'd say probably the second layer to it was really just presentation in terms of how I was presenting it with my words uh, and my writing. Um, I, I tend to, you know, obviously I'm sure listeners who are listening to this can tell I have a lot of energy, uh, but sometimes it's, you need to be digestible. You don't need to scream at people. You don't need to yell at people. You can be passionate, but you need to find a space where, you know, I had one uh, mentor of mine who was like, you're in fifth year all the time if when you're in third year that is your sweet spot if you can figure out a way to mentally get yourself to a space of third year and i had a toy with different things i started drinking coffee earlier in the day uh i started working out um i found all these different things to help my energy and sometimes it's just nervous energy um you know i used to take <laughs> sounds funny saying it out loud i used to like walk a lap around the field just to like just to get my body moving and maybe work out a little bit of the nerves early on in my career and, and, it, and it worked. 
That's good advice too. And that's interesting from fifth gear to third gear. That's I think, cause I think that's a lot of times we feel like we got to be bigger and so energetic, but sometimes you also just got to bring it back a little bit. So I think that's, I like, but I like that terminology fifth gear to third gear. So you said you yeah, had a mentor. And I, sorry, go ahead, Diana. I have found, I have found with information too. And I, I talked to a lot of uh, writers who aren't on TV a lot. Um, you know, they always ask for little, little, pointers like hey how can I be better at my presentation and and I always say you almost have to have a little bit of salesmanship to you think about what your best stuff is if you're genuinely excited about that nugget that 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 piece of info you got from a player lead with it show the viewer can see in your eyes when you have information you know is good and even if they don't think the information is that good they will believe it's good because you believe it's good so I think that's a big part of growing in this business is really figure out a way of, okay, what do I like the most? What's the strongest? What's something that no one else has? And how can I present it in a way that makes the viewers, the fans care about it? I think that that has really been um, the journey I've discovered over the years when it comes to, uh, you know, really good presentation. Along those lines, what do you think, and this may be hard because you probably have a few, but what would you say one of the most rewarding stories that you have ever covered is? Uh, rewarding, uh, the way I would define rewarding would be just a, the fact that I was able to be there in such a horrible time. And, and, and I know you know I've covered as the first reporter, or at least one of the first two reporters um, at the Sandy Hook Elementary shooting. Um, you know, I think having the perspective of covering a horrible, horrible story, um, things in history that, that will never be erased, things that have changed our, our, our government. Um, I think having perspective has made me better. Uh, early in my career, I had somebody who told me, you're a very good writer, you're a very good reporter, but you have no life experience, I can't hire you. And I said, well, you just told me I can do the job. What is my life experience? And looking, I mean, if, if this person said this probably in 2019, it wouldn't go over well, but she's like, go get married, get divorced, go travel, go make mistakes. You, you live too, you lived in a bubble and she was right. And I think I applied a little bit to that story of covering Sandy Hook. I've, it's given me perspective of what's really important. And, and while we all have our stresses and our, annoyances at work and dealing with things and navigating the business for me i think having that opportunity even calling it opportunity because it's so awful it was one of the worst days of my life um but just being part of that um has changed me and definitely for me felt like the most meaningful thing i could do was to report to the people that cared at that time who were so scared uh about whether or not their friends their family whoever it was was safe um, so that was probably the most meaningful thing from a, from a news space. But for sports, um, you know, I think anytime I'm giving an opportunity to, to tell a story of a player that really doesn't get to tell a story that often, you know, I'm always harping on the quarterbacks and the game-winning receiver. Uh, I love when I get that chance to talk to the corner who, you know, has never returned uh, for a touchdown. I, I love those stories. Um, and I even experienced it covering the Ravens on Sunday night. I'm just you see, you can see in the eyes of somebody that doesn't get a lot of attention, and it's exciting to be like, 
I get to put this person on SportsCenter, and they're excited about it. And they ask me, when will it air? You know, like, that's still fun to do at this level. Um, we're going to do this at the end. We're going to do five fun facts, but I do five fun facts with all of the 49ers players. And obviously, you know, the bigger the player, the more exciting, the more people are excited to watch it, et cetera. But I do it with pretty much everybody. And in training camp, a bunch of them. And I will let this player remain nameless, but there was a player uh, last year at training camp who I said I want to do five fun facts. And he said to me, oh, really? I didn't think I'd get to do five fun facts. Okay, let me think about it. I'm so excited. And I was like, that is Dang, the best thing I've great. ever heard. It's, yeah. It really is. And it's little and, you know, we're, we're not ESPN, but it's, it, they love it. And it, there is something about that that is so cool. And then when you finish, they say, well, when, when will, well, where can I see it? When will I be able to see it? I want to send it to my mom. You know, it's, it's really awesome. And I think those are some of the most rewarding stories in sports and in anything, really. But they really are in sports because you remember, and you, of course, said this because you were an athlete. Athletes are humans and people, and they work hard, and they want to be recognized. And I just think that's really cool. So I'm glad yeah. you said that. So can you talk a little bit about when you got the call from ESPN and how that came about? So I had been a sports anchor in Washington, D.C. for a little bit over a year, and uh, I was breaking stories on the Redskins, and then as I covered the Skins more, I started to meet more people and started to break other stories around the league, which at the time, local news reporters weren't really aggressive about it, and I just, I really enjoyed breaking stories in the NFL because I loved the league. Um, and so I'd get notes from Schefter, and, you know, I'll never forget the first time Adam Schefter wrote me a DM, was like, I just want to say you do a great job, and I screen grabbed it and I sent it to my brother, my brother-in-law. Like everyone was like, oh my God, you know, just freaking. I think I even printed it um, and put it near my desk, near my computer. Uh, but I, I started to break stories and the person that was running SportsCenter, his name is Rob King at the time. Uh, his name is still Rob King, but at the time he was <laughs> running SportsCenter. He went back to Washington, D.C. to visit his parents. And while he was staying with his parents, he put the local news on and I was there and I was on. And the next day he reached out to my, he, I guess he discovered who my representation was. Um, and basically said, I, you know, I, I want to meet this girl. I think she's, she's all right. She has something to her. And he didn't really know about me that I like to break stories. Um, so they bring me in for an audition and I meet with all the executives at ESPN, and I really thought it went well. I clicked with everybody. Everyone had such good energy. I mean, these are the people who are now my bosses, and I always look back on it like, you guys were the best. You're the best now, but you were tremendous at first impression. Um, and so I go back to Washington, D.C. after my interview, and I am waiting for the call. I'm like, I, I killed that. I know I'm going to get an opportunity there. It just felt right, and they did not call. And my agent calls me, and, and I had just gotten an agent, too. I, I was really new to it. Uh, and he said, you know, I did some digging, and it turns out that they didn't like the fact that you reported that Tim Tebow was joining the Philadelphia Eagles. And I said, well, why? They're like, well, they said that they don't think the report is true. I said, no, I know for a fact Tim Tebow is signing with Philly. It's going to happen any day. I, I know it's happening. And they're like, well, Tim Tebow is an employee of ESPN, so they would know. And I was like, 
uh, well, I, and my agent just said to me, how much do you trust your source? I said, with my life. And I really did. And a day later after this call, Tim Tebow signed to the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. That night, so that story broke at like five o'clock, I think. That night around nine, ESPN made me an offer uh, and apologized and said, we are so sorry that we doubted you. And uh, it was a weird experience because it's not the way I dreamt of it because um, it felt like I immediately started my career um, having conflict of like, right. did you not believe in me? Did you, you know, did, do, do I really need to prove this? You know, am I going to have to prove? Uh, but it actually wound up being a, a great um, lesson for me in, in handling myself maturely and not starting my job angry or mad. I had some good conversations with some of those people who I knew did not want to hire me about, you know, because of it. And we, you know, we ironed it out and, and, they never questioned my report ever again. <laughs> so I'm lucky that they, they don't, they're great with me. So yeah, it was so weird, but, but obviously it worked out. And, and uh, the first day I stepped on campus, I was like, what idiot hired me? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I obviously, uh, uh, you know, have been so appreciative of the opportunity. It's been an, an incredible five years. That's awesome. Well, actually, this brings up kind of an interesting point that I think people would find interesting if you're comfortable talking about it. But when it comes to sources, how do you build that rapport? And at what point do you say, okay, I 100% trust this person and I can report what they've told me? Oh, yeah, I'm totally comfortable. I love talking about this because I do think there's a little bit of an art to it, but it's mm -hmm. not an art you can't learn. Um, okay. it's, it's relationship building. Um my secret sauce, I always say, has been being full, fully uh, transparent and genuine and uh, honest about everything I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, I started off, I, I basically was given a, a story when I first started breaking in a story, D'Angelo Hall, which I laugh now that you never reveal your sources, but we let, he's in the media now, so we laugh about it. D'Angelo Hall called me randomly one day. I was like, hello? He's like, this is D'Angelo Hall from the Washington Redskins. You seem like somebody who needs some help. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, I see you in the locker room all the time, and you look lost. Um, and I just feel like you got to pay it forward in life, and I want to let you know that I'm signing a new deal with the Washington Redskins for this much, this many years, this amount of money, and I want you to have it first. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Thank you. Um, so I broke the story, and I, you know, it was my first big story. I was so excited. But then what wound up happening was because D'Angelo gave it to me, other guys on defense started to go, wait, well, maybe D'Angelo gave it to her because she's cool and he likes her and he trusts her. So then two weeks later, another corner gave me one. Then a safety gave me one. And, you know, just not on their deals, the other little nuggets. And it became sort of a domino effect. But then I needed to take it to the next level where it couldn't just be because somebody knew D'Angelo Hall. Um, and to this day, I, I always ask the angel, I'm like, why did you help me? And he's like, honestly, I didn't think that you were going to make it. You looked like you had, you, like, you looked clueless. And I was, um, it was so cool that he did that. Um, cool. but I find now, you know, just telling the player what you're looking for. Hey, I'm hopping on sports center and I'm, I'm really diving in on why this defense struggled against Lamar Jackson. Can you give me reasons, examples? You know, and then they're like, all right, I see what you're doing here. Um, I want to help you. Or sometimes I'm even like, I don't understand. If you said you were going to be physical with him and you weren't, 
um, can you explain to me what I don't get? And, and I found not being a know-it-all definitely helped. Um, and then just being honest about, hey, I'm going to probably circle back on this story. There's going to be times I'm going to want to talk to you. Would you mind if I had your contact information? If you're not comfortable with it, I totally get it. And usually it's, it's they give you your number and, and you send a note and say, thanks for the help. And you check in and you start to build a relationship of, you know, the, my favorite people to meet are their families. Because then, then we really become on the same level. Because you have a family, I have a family, uh, and we can share in that. And that, that has really been, for me, I think the key is making sure I don't break their trust, but they're aware of what I'm doing and what I want. Being shady doesn't get you anywhere, but saying, I'm talking to you because I eventually probably want to talk to you about free agency. And you just build off that. Um, and look, sometimes you strike out. I have sources of my, or I have former sources now that just, the relationship just fizzles or, you know, I don't do a good enough job keeping in touch with them. Um, but, but I have found when, if you're, if you're just a good person and you're not trying to, you know, put anyone in a bad position, you'd be surprised how, how far I can take you. That's great advice. And that's really invaluable advice for anybody listening. Cause I think that's a world that most people of course don't understand. So that's very helpful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Who has been a mentor in your career who taught you really how to do all of these things aside from D'Angelo Hall? Right, uh, which is so funny to me. Um, so you know, I, I've taken like I've taken pieces from different people. Something as simple and almost superficial as I used to watch Robin Mead on CNN all the time. I, I love her. I freaked out when I met Robin at the Super Bowl last year, um, and she knows me because I used to pretty much stalk her on Twitter. So she saw me. She's like, "Oh my gosh, it's so good to meet you in person." You know. Um, but essentially, I watched her on TV, and I loved her style and her style is conversational and she is herself robin mead in person is exactly the person you see on tv so i started to watch her when i was a freshman in college i don't tell her that but um and just observing her all these years and just trying to find a way to be herself and be comfortable with that um and then just i've met people along the ways people that are great writers uh friends of mine or uh, you know i have friends who are great at it and I've, I've kind of observed them and pick their brains on it. And definitely where I'm at now at ESPN, my circle of friends, um, Jen Latta, Cassie Hubbard, uh, people who I call almost daily to get feedback or, hey, what do you think? You know, they, they're very well aware of my vulnerability right now, where I'm trying to get better. Uh, you know, we have very hard, honest conversations with each other about, hey, I know you've been really trying to work on focusing more on this part and doing a little bit less of this, I found, you know, yesterday morning was, you know, you went back to your old way or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so just having that at this point for me has been invaluable uh, because, again, it's people who love me and care about me and want the best for me. Um, and I trust them with my, with everything because I know that they have a good eye because they're doing it. They're in the business. We, we can all see what works. Uh, but, yeah, finding a mentor was really hard for me. Uh, and finding a football mentor was even harder. And then that became the most valuable part of it because understanding this game is hard. And mm -hmm. if you don't have people you can call, uh, Mike Silver is a reporter for the NFL Network. He's an amazing writer and a very good friend of mine. And we were talking on the phone for like two hours 
while I was driving from Baltimore to New Jersey about the process of making sure you're not missing poignant plays in the game because it's hard to know everything. And he gave me a piece of advice that I just learned, which is sometimes you just have to have people in your contact that are just your football guys. They're not your information guys. They're your, hey, I need to understand um, the yardage here. I need to understand this play. What do you call this? What, just stuff like that. I think if you can start building those relationships and being honest with, with those football guys, of, hey, I just may need to call you to learn more. And most coaches are teachers, so they want to teach. Um, so I, I have found that that is almost more important than actual TV broadcasters helping me. Well, it's like we see Deshaun Watson almost every week break down plays and routes and why they call this. And it's been, I mean, I think it's been really helpful and amazing. And I wish people could, I mean, not everybody has time to do that every week, obviously, but that's been pretty cool. No matter why it started, like to get to hear him say, well, this is why we ran it and we did this and this was my thought process. And then I saw him go this way. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Thank you for sharing oh, that. It, to, to be, yeah, exactly. To be uh, that transparent is gigantic, right? Because then it, so we don't have to watch the tape and figure it out and call make calls like uh, I feel like I'm doing constantly. I spend more time on the phone going over games than I do actually getting prepared for my next one. Uh, because every, you know, it's, it's applied learning and it's layers. And, you know, whatever you're learning in this game, it's going to come back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what the, you know, what an offense is doing is going, they're going to show that again. So you might as well learn it. Um, you know, and, and I, I do think that that was the biggest difference, though, from making the jump from local regional coverage to where more of a national stage mm-hmm. was an understanding of the game. Um, so something I do that, you know, I would love if anyone that covers football wants to take this idea, it's not really that brilliant, but it's helped me, is I listen to the radio call, whether it's on Westwood One or uh, whatever radio is calling that NFL game that you're covering, and I plug in my ears while I watch because they don't have visuals. So they can't almost, they're not letting anything breathe. They're giving you every detail. And it was such a good way to learn uh, on the parts of the game that I was missing or not paying attention to or got distracted or I was tweeting. Um, I don't miss as much anymore because I, I, can't, I, I have the whole call in my, in my ears. That is brilliant advice. And to everybody who sits next to me in the press box, don't talk to me during the game because I'm now going to be listening to the radio call the entire time. That is absolutely advice. That is that, stuff thank comes you. up when you're in when you're in the locker room, you know, and you're talking to that player where you're trying to remember what his production was. You're like, right, what this, you know, offensive lineman? Why, you know, what what did he do that was important today? You'd be shocked at what your recall is. Of like, oh yeah, I remember in the first quarter or whatever it is. You know, it's it's amazing, and it it definitely will help you understand the game to another level, and it. And you're a fool if you think that you don't need to learn anymore. Uh, some of the best uh, – Mina Kimes is one of my, my like, really good friends. And she's we had really her on the pod. NFL. She's oh, amazing. Then, then you know. So Mina and I talk a lot about this. It's just how can we get to the next level of understanding? Next level, next level. You, are, you should never be satisfied with your understanding of this game. I always tell people that I really thought I understand understood football and knew football until Kyle Shanahan became the coach of the 49ers. And 
then it, in our from our first press conference, I was like, I, I don't know it. I mean, I know it, but no, I don't know it. <laughs> this is like a no, no, you, no. Uh, you can totally say that, and no one's judging because um, 99% of America is, is in sync with you. Uh, because I covered Kyle when he was in Washington, and I know the type of offense he runs, obviously, at this point, and it's complicated. And players will tell you it's complicated. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's another level, and this, it's why he's brilliant. It is. It is why he's brilliant. It's 100% true. So we are now coming to my favorite part of the podcast. I mentioned it earlier. Um, anyone who follows me knows I just I love fun facts. It's my thing. So we do five fun facts with everybody, and it's the same five questions. So I'm going to just go on through them, and you will give me your answers if you are ready. All right. Let's do it. All right. Number one, what is your favorite moment in sports? My favorite moment in here's so it's so lame because it's not even an NFL moment and I cover That's the okay. NFL. Uh, for me, I used to cover the UConn women, and it was the most boring beat in America because they won all the time. <laughs> so I enjoyed, and this sounds mean, when they lost in the finals the year I was covering them because I loved to see. I learned from their growth and reaction to losing in a national title game. And to me, I like seeing people in their weakest, lowest moments climb, their, climb, their, climb themselves out of it. And that, is, that was, to me, one of the coolest moments I got to see is watching these women figure out a way to not feel bad but work harder the next season. That, that was definitely one of my favorite moments in sports. What is your life motto? Keep getting up. That's a good Keep one. getting up. Uh, I have that one, and it, this is maybe a little, um, I don't want to say emotional, but don't let people rent free space in your head. Uh, I find I spend, I wasted a lot of time in my life letting people that don't really matter, whether this means in my personal life or professional life, have an opinion of me, I'm aware of it, and I let it sit in my head and affect the way I see myself. That is a waste. Don't, don't ever let anybody be in your head when, when they're, not doing any, they're not doing anything to make you better. That's fantastic. That's a really good one. Both of them are really good ones. What is your go-to workout? I am a Pilates freak. So I started Pilates when I was in Washington, D.C. in 2012. I did it five days a week. I was a psycho, got my job at ESPN, and stopped working out for f- almost five years, which is oh, no. horrible. Um, so I picked it back up a few months ago, and it, it, was, it, it was the biggest um, mistake I ever made was, not, was stopping it. And, and now that I'm back doing it just from what I've seen and changing my body, but just mentally where I'm at, I'm happier, I have great energy. Uh, and I'm addicted to it. Um, if, if you are trying to tone and elongate and get some more energy, I would highly recommend Pilates on Reformer. Fantastic. Your go-to coffee or tea order. I'm learning not everyone drinks coffee. Yes. Uh, just recently switched it up. Uh, actually had a coach give me a recommendation. Um, and I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I changed it. I used to drink, I can only drink Starbucks. It's horrible. It's like an addict. I used to just drink a pike, 
uh, like, which is like a regular coffee, but now I drink a cafe latte uh, with a little bit of sugar in it. Ooh, that sounds delicious. And it last but not least, oh, sorry. Um, last but not least, a book every woman should read. I love the book Mind Gym by Gary Mack. Um, I've had it on my bookshelf for probably 10 years now, maybe a little less, but right around that. Um, it's basically about, it's the idea that as much as you're physically working out your body to say that you need to work your mind out. And it's the tales of all high productive athletes and how they handle difficult situations, loss, um, weaknesses, disappointment. And it's a great application. It, you can read it and your takeaway can just be how I've taken so many little stories of, you know, A-Rod has a great story of how he dealt with a slump. Um, you, you can find these little things that you can do in your brain to flip it so you're not being so hard on yourself all the time. Oh, fantastic. All right, I'm going to add that to my reading yeah. list. Mind Gym. Mind Gym, yep. Awesome. Diana, thank you so much for joining me today. There was such good concrete advice in this podcast that I think our listeners are just in for a major treat, but this was amazing. So thank, thank you very much. Of course. I, I appreciate the opportunity to share the things that if, if it takes somebody less time to figure out the answer than it did for me, I, like that, that it's the most rewarding feeling because every, I'm proud of the road I've been on, but man, if I could have had a few shortcuts, I would have less wrinkles so yeah uh hopefully anything whether it's listening to the radio call or you know just being open to the coaching any of those things i, I hope it can it will help anybody thank you so much it will for sure i know i know it's going to help me personally but i know it's going to also help everybody listening today. so thank you so much oh, that's awesome well thanks for having me absolutely i'll talk to you soon bye For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.